All right, welcome everybody back to the PHLY Sixers podcast. I'm Derek Bonner, joined in studio, afternoon show with Kyle Newbeck. How you doing, Kyle? Good, Derek. You and I have spent our pre-show prep period doing <laughs> Black Friday shopping and discussing things that aren't the Sixers because after Thanksgiving, turns out there's very little news that doesn't have to do with Josh Giddy, which I don't think we're going to touch with a 10-foot pole today, if Not I had to guess. Good. But I'm doing well. I had a you know nice meal yesterday, nice little family gathering. I'm sure Derek did lots of drone flying on his day off, but how was your Thanksgiving? It was good. Not as much drone flying, I think, as I would have liked. It's one of the things that me and my brother tend to do, but we did get caught up with family stuff. Like Kyle mentioned, Kyle and I do share a couple of interests outside of basketball, usually tech and uh, gaming related. So we spent most of our pre-show prep uh, maybe doing some Black Friday shopping together. But we are here and ready to talk some Sixers basketball with you. I think for today's show, because like Kyle said, there's absolutely nothing going on. There's no news, nothing to hit on in that regard. And we're in between games. And also all of you are probably out and about trying to get you know family stuff or shopping done. Take a step back, maybe talk about the overall state of the team. It's also a nice round number with them at 10 and 5, 15 games played. So just a chance to sort of like take stock of where they are. So again, they're 10 and five, lost four to last six, started off eight and one. Wanted to kind of grade where they are. Where, you know, I guess probably just start off with an overall team grade, maybe break down offensive yeah. and defensive, and maybe get into Nick Nurse and some of the, you know, high profile players or key players. Where overall do you feel like they're at? Uh, I want to say a B plus. A minus somewhere in that range. I mean, certainly have things to work out, but I guess we're grading on a curve in some respects, right? Where we come into the season and think of this James Harden black cloud hanging over everything. What's going to happen with him? How does Tyrese handle lead ball handling responsibilities? What happens with Joel in this new offense? The defensive changes Nick Nurse is implementing. What does that all look like? And I think one of the most important things from training camp onward is that these guys have bought into what Nick is selling and certainly we'll get to an individual grade for Nick moving forward. I think the new additions coming in and being able to make a, at least somewhat of an impact right away. I know Batum's been in and out of the lineup mm -hmm. that speaks to the overall cohesion of the team. And honestly, it's just been fun to follow them more fun than I think you and I expected. It's been entertaining to watch uh, more entertaining than last year in a lot of ways where guys are moving balls moving pace is better than last season I don't know if that always grades out in terms of the actual pace metrics but certainly feels like they play faster a lot of the time so my experience on this side has been great so far I, I'm admittedly not a fan who's like goes to bed mad after a loss or is jumping for joy after a win. But I would say that from our perspective, Derek, it's been a lot better than maybe we would have expected at this point. Now they do have to get to the end of the road and look like a, you know, potential contender, which I think there's probably some big holes, significant holes they have to fill at this point right now. But those you're willing to live with as they figure this out over the course of 82 games. Yeah, look, I think if you would ask us this a week ago, it would have been probably an A+. Yeah. 
I think given what's happened here of late, that's going to drop it a little bit, probably not as much as like, I feel like if we were asking the audience, the grades might even be lower than what we would say. I would still, I'd probably go with a B plus, you know, I think when you look at some of their metrics, I think they're fourth right now in net rating. They're tied for second in the Eastern conference tied with like four teams, but they are tied for second in the Eastern conference. That's all ahead of what we were expecting. You know, I do think, like I said, there's going to be some frustration from fans probably. I think when you start, we talk about recency bias a lot in terms of scouting. We talked about a lot with the draft, in terms of player evaluation. I think even people like GMs are prone to recency bias and they're trained to try to counteract that. Uh, I think fans certainly are. So I think the last couple of games, the last week, is probably frustrating people more than maybe it should. When you look at it overall on balance, I do think they are exceeding expectations by a pretty comfortable degree. That to me is a, a B plus grade is exceeding those expectations, but you can't ignore completely ignore what has happened here over the last week, um, especially with maybe some inconsistent efforts, some decisions from Nick Nurse that maybe we question that we weren't questioning earlier on, maybe a loss of identity, a little less off ball cutting, maybe the defensive bite isn't quite what it was. They have certainly uh, regressed a little bit, but overall it's still definitely positive. Yeah, so I think that's probably where we should start splitting it, right? So I think objectively you almost have to give them an A offensively because of where they're at, right? To lose a player, whatever people think of James Harden, to lose a guy in James Harden who last year, very good regular season, one of his best shooting seasons that he's had in quite a long time, certainly helped Joel out in pick and rolls and what have you. And to end up in a place where they've been one of the single best offenses in the entire league and for Tyrese to take a step forward for Joel to continue to lead the league in scoring while still buying into this new structure and setup, and he's playmaking more for other guys for Kelly Oubre to step in and he's scoring a lot, but still buying into that team concept. And I just think Nick has made it easy for these guys to play together mm-hmm. and play naturally off of one another. And that's borne out in the stats. It's borne out in the results. And I think offensively being anything less than thrilled would be crazy right now. I think yeah. they've been pretty awesome there. No, look, I overall I gave them a B plus and I probably do that in part because I make it very tough to give out A's. Like I do not like giving out A's, even a minuses. <laughs> I feel like you really have to, exceed my expectations to an almost unrealistic degree for me to give you that, I will give them an A offensively pretty easily. Like I think it would be tough to argue any otherwise. They are a fourth-ranked offense in the league right now. They're real close to Dallas, uh, who is third. Like there's The only one who's really pulling away completely is Indiana, uh, and they don't really care on the other side of the court, so they you know uh, have some warts. But they are exceeding, uh, what do we give them? I think maybe seventh-ranked offense was what we're projecting coming in, something in something that range. Something like that, yeah. They are, and that I thought was a ceiling on them. Yeah. I thought it was probably more likely 11, 12, somewhere on the fringes of the top 10, and they're way past that. No, I'm sorry, I, I had them lower than that. I think I, I think we had them in the 12, 13 range, actually. Yeah, I, I think defensively, we had them six, yeah, that's what it was. I think we You're had them 12, it, 13 all. offense, six, seven on defense. So for them to be fourth, when we were talking about 12, I, th- I think you might have had 12 and I had 13. We were real, it doesn't matter. I know I had them 13th because I have my notes right here. So for them to be fourth, that's a drastic uh, exceeding my expectations. A lot of that comes down to Maxi has taken another jump, even if you uh, are frustrated at the last few games. And Nick, especially for the first couple of weeks of the season, 
had them really moving well off ball. And they do that. And I'll look the numbers up while you're you're speaking in the next segment. I don't even think they're shooting like a crazy percentage from three. Like a lot of times early season, you'll get... Nor um, are they taking a ton of threes yeah, you, either. You will get like some teams that are propped up by unsustainable shooting or you know, on the other side, maybe their defense is being propped up by Jedi three-point defense. I don't think that's really happening here. I don't think they're shooting a crazy percentage. Our complaint would be from the volume, they're not shooting enough. But percentage-wise, I think what they're doing is sustainable. Yeah, to your point about not wanting to give A's, that would be the reason you'd try to ding them, right? It's just the three-point raid and thinking, mm-hmm. all right, maybe they need to even out the math battle a little bit against some of these teams. But you look at the teams that are ahead of them right now, number one's Indiana, which is not a shock because they're just like a cartoon character offense <laughs> yes. with the way that they play. Atlanta's number two, and they're spearheaded by Trey Young and DeJounte Murray. More so Trey Young, who's kind of an offense unto himself. And then at number three is Dallas, who their two best players are Luka and Kyrie. They are very offense-heavy players. So to be fourth and be ahead of teams like Milwaukee and Boston, Phoenix, Oklahoma City, Denver, that's a testament to what these guys have done. And I know they haven't had the toughest schedule in the world in terms of the strength of opponent overall, but I think it's been a a wild success. And I think – the ability to bring in somebody like a Batum, like Covington off the bench, even Marcus Morris in that surprise start on Wednesday night on Thanksgiving Eve, for it to all work kind of seamlessly and guys to understand their roles, be in the right places, the cutting off of one another, I, I just think it's been it, – it's a reminder that when Nick was promoted to head coach in Toronto and when he was an assistant under Dwayne Casey – he was there predominantly because of offense. He was originally known as yep. an offense guy. And I think because he had defense first teams over the last five years or so, that maybe gets lost in the wash a little bit. But this is a guy who has had you know, a, a pretty strong track record on offense, and it's something that he cares quite a, a bit about. Yeah, and to your point, like strength of schedule wise, I don't think it's necessarily been that easy. Like I think it's been a, a pretty league average strength of schedule. Yeah. Uh, in terms of the actual strength of schedule rating, they're currently ninth from basketball reference. Uh, and you have you know a couple of big games against Boston, um, the Pacers, obviously, the uh, Wolves that they just played, the Cavs. Like you, ha- you definitely have some strong games against good teams. Uh, and they have acquitted themselves relatively well. Like I said, split Pacers, split Celtics. Uh, so I think the uh, strength of schedule pretty much holds up. In terms of you know shooting percentages, they are currently shooting... Uh, all right, 37.7% from three. So that's good. That's not unsustainably good. It's about a percent above league average. Yeah. It's less than what it was last year. Again, I think that is pretty sustainable. The bigger concern has always been generating those looks. Uh, and I think that's, you know, quite frankly, I think it's one area where Maxi has looked decent in the last couple of games. His passing and his court vision and him navigating pick and rolls, I think, has been decent. But you are going to take a step back in that regard, losing James Harden. It's just natural. Uh, they are not going to be a high-volume three-point shooting team as much as I think Nick Nurse probably wants them to be and wouldn't mind them to be, and certainly Daryl would like them to take more threes yeah. than taking the second-fewest, or I haven't checked, uh, it was the second-fewest in the league up to a game ago. Can't be sitting well with him, but you've got to find other ways to overcome that. Whether it's getting out in transition, not turning the ball over. They should be a good, good at taking care of the basketball all year uh, and try to win the possession battle. Well, you know, it's weird, too. I, I honestly think that it would probably go back up with more Kelly minutes because Kelly has that, you know, just lack of conscience in a good way and good in many ways. 
right? Where he's semi-open and he's going to let it fly, where compared to a Tobias, Tyrese, some of these other guys who are playing big minutes, they're taking a semi-contested look and driving or hitting like a mid-range pull-up, whereas I don't think Kelly gives a single shit about like guy in his face. Like no. if, if he feels good about the shot, he's going to take it. And in this example, I think that's a good thing for them. Like they need more of those types of players. Certainly Kelly has shot well enough this year that you can shoot from basically whatever, whenever, wherever, and, and the team will be happy with it. So I think that'll naturally climb up a little bit, but I do think, I, I think I asked Nick about it after one of the games recently, after a win too, because I, you have to frame those questions in a way that doesn't make it seem like you're like, hey, why are you doing this, you fucking moron? Right. Like It's like, hey, this also could be better, so like, what's going on there? And Nick's message has been, you know, their first priority, I think, is rim attacks and attacking the paint. And it is important to note that, and Daryl would tell you this to all the pro analytics people, that rim shots and free throws are also, you know, they're right there in terms right. of the, the priority goal, list. The goal of shooting threes isn't to get rid of shots at the rim. In fact, yes. it's to incre increase your shots at the rim and increase your spacing and the quality of your shots at the rim. It's to get rid of those mid-range shots. Yeah. <laughs> like you're really looking exactly. to exchange those for threes. Yeah. And the Sixers are third in terms of at rim frequency. Yeah. So that has been a big win. And some of that is they have Joel Embiid, the, MVP level center who is going to get a lot of shots there. But up until recently, I thought Tyrese did a good job getting to the rim. I think the, the cuts off of Joel. So those like a lot of those baselines mm -hmm. sliding in from the dunker spot for Kelly and Jaden and some of these other guys, those have been really nice to see. Joel's gotten pretty good at those drop off passes for easy baskets. So on top of the driving kick post up all that there's also some cutting work that i think has made a big difference on that front yeah i agree all right let's leave the defense for let's say the next segment i think we'll be a little harsher on that you know what i'm not harsh on derek pennsylvania dairy farmers and team chocolate milk because professional and college athletes have known about the power of chocolate milk as a refuel and recovery beverage for a long time and chocolate milk provides high quality protein for muscle repair electrolytes for hydration, and calcium for strong bones. That's why studies consistently show that chocolate milk is an ideal sports recovery beverage. I did not think to drink chocolate milk yesterday after I helped my in-laws move some furniture around. I, I really dropped the ball on that one. You shouldn't drop the ball and make that mistake in the future. So whether you're recovering after a workout at the gym, a run around Boathouse Row, or a bike ride on the Schuylkill Trail, chocolate milk's an ideal post-workout beverage. And taking care of your body doesn't end when the clock hits zero on your workout routine. Give your body what it needs to properly recover. What could be better than a scientifically proven recovery beverage made right here in Pennsylvania that also tastes great? Learn more about how chocolate milk can help you refuel and recover after your next workout by visiting teamchocolatemilk.com. We also want to tell you about Wheelhouse. And again, I think cards are a great way uh, especially if you've got a young kid, maybe a great way to get them into a hobby, uh, which could be a lifelong hobby. Wheelhouse does a lot to help try to boost that passion. Wheelhouse is our go-to sports card gift and apparel shop in the Delaware Valley. Their motto is cards and community because love of sports unites us all. They carry all of your favorite brands like Topps Chrome Baseball and Mosaic Football, as well as t-shirts, hats, and hoodies from brands like Mitchell & S, 47 Brand Junk Food Starter, and Shibe Vintage Sports. 
you're looking to grade your sports card collection, Wheelhouse offers PSA grading submissions. They also host tons of different family-friendly events and birthday parties every month. Stop into either of their stores at Wayne or Westchester. Open seven days a week at 11 a.m. Use code PHLY and get $10 off any purchase of $25 or more in-store. Also, be sure to give them a follow on Instagram at Wheelhouse Cards. So, defensively. Hasn't been good recently. Has not. (laughs) Um, Now, look, that's where I will say opponent has had something to do with that, right? You play Indiana, and Derek and I were laughing about this. They had that game against Atlanta, the Pacers, I mean, where they threatened to break the all-time regulation scoring record between two teams for a little bit there. And then about 13 short, I think something, something like that. And then the next night they played Toronto and it's like, Oh, back to back Toronto's not exactly an offensive juggernaut. They're not going to score much. And then the final was like 133 to 131. And that's just kind of an example of what the Pacers do to you. Right. So giving up a lot of points to the Pacers, not that big a deal. I think the Cleveland game is the best example of maybe the problems that these guys have here where you can see how teams might be able to pick on Tyrese Maxey, I thought, and I know you and Rich pointed this out on the post-game show that night, Derek. I thought that you saw more blown rotations and switches, bad communication errors between guys that those were not happening earlier in the season. Now, exactly why that was, I'm not sure, because I think in the second half of the Cleveland game, you could see them dial it up and they got much better. Some of that was Joel Embiid is more engaged. Some of that is the rest of the guys were more in sync with one another and, you know, bought in some more. So it's hard to tell how much of it was you're getting deeper into the season. Guys are naturally going to take their foot off the gas a little bit as Mm -hmm. you get into the middle point or the middle stretch of the schedule, I guess we would say. I'm not sure why it has gotten worse after seeing, you know, a, a good start maybe not a great start to the season, but it is getting worse. And I would put them, they're probably close to C level right now, yeah. maybe C plus on balance overall. Yeah. I was, I was thinking C plus, uh, you can convince me anywhere from a C minus to a C plus. I would be hard pressed to give them a, anything in the B range. Also, they're not a complete abject failure. So I'm not going to give them a D yeah. like they are still the 11th defense in the league. Um, if you look at it, their location effective field goal percentage is about 2% worse than what teams are actually shooting against them. So I think when you start looking at it, um, you know, I think they have been probably a little bit lucky, quite frankly. Part of that comes down to the fact that their uh, teams are shooting just, where is it, 36.5% on short mid-rangers against them. League average is 43%. So when you're shooting 7% worse than league average, that's going to help your defense. Part of that, I think, can contribute to the fact of Joel Embiid's present, like presence. I would expect them, opponents, to shoot below league average on those shots because Joe has a chance to contest those. Probably not 7% worse than league average, but you would expect that uh, to normalize a little bit. So I think they've probably been a little bit lucky. They've probably been more like a mid-pack team defensively, and that's not good enough. And look, we just gave them credit because offensively they're a top four team. Most of the other teams who are in the the top end of the offensive spectrum aren't very good defensive teams. This team should. We don't necessarily expect them to be the league's best offense. In fact, I think even holding on to a top five ranking would surprise us a little bit, or at least it would surprise me. So that defense has to be top 10 level, and they just haven't been for quite some time. And this is one area where when Joe is out or when Joe is not fully there, fully engaged uh, in terms of his effort level or his attention, 
it really shows because then you start going, oh, well, they're really struggling to stop people on the perimeter. They're blowing switches. Maxi's miscommunicating. Melton's getting blown up by his screen. There's a whole bunch of weaknesses that can be exploited that Joe has to cover up. And when he's only at like 90% effectiveness or even less, it can start looking pretty bad. So in the comments, we have someone saying the defense suffered in back-to-back games because it's hard to maintain that 100%. level all 82. I 100% agree with that. I will say there is a difference between what we saw in the front half against Cleveland, which was execution issues, communication issues, in some cases effort issues, like Joel at the rim was not good for two, two and a half quarters, and then he dialed it up and was better on top of the other guys getting their act together and frankly making Joel's life easier in that game so that he's not put in these no-win situations where either he steps up and it's a lob over his head or he sits back and Darius Garland gets like an easy 8-10 to footer. Minnesota game, I was not as displeased because a lot of their issues were personnel-based. It was, you don't have Joel on the back end. You're playing a team with two bigs in Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns. And, you know, as much as Derek and I criticize Marcus Morris at times, it's like, he doesn't really have a chance trying to defend a true big man. No. Didn't give himself a good chance to defend big but men. But it's also not like you were forced into play as Mar- like Marcus uh, well, Morris. That's on the Nick Nurse side of things is what I'm saying. So yeah. I'm, I don't get as mad about or anywhere near as mad about the Minnesota game where end of the day, I thought they competed pretty hard in the middle portion of that game. And then you get to the fourth quarter and their legs gave out. And that's not a, yeah. you're not looking at that and saying, well, they're all, they have real defensive concerns. You're saying, yeah, it's a back-to-back, and these guys don't have it. I'm much more concerned about how they're coping with Cleveland on the front end of that. They had a bad half in Detroit, a subpar half in Atlanta. Now, those are two games that they won, but it was kind of meandering through the first half of those games, and they turn it on the second half. I'd like to see more 48-minute type commitments from them because, frankly, I don't think they have quite good enough defensive personnel to just sleepwalk through quarters and think that they're going to be able to ratchet it up and come back in all these games. No, I agree. I agree. Um, it has been a pretty good stretch of like the last eight or so games. First eight games of the season, they had a 108 defensive rating. Last seven, 119. 119.4. It's not good enough. Like I mentioned, that's two games against the Pacers, one against the Celtics. Got the Cavs and the Hawks thrown in there as well. Some pretty good offensive teams. And just for a frame of reference for anyone listening, 119 would put them as like a bottom five defense in the league. Now that would be on the whole, like not just a small or a smaller sample, but that shows you how bad they've been recently. Yeah, no, they've been they've been real bad. Uh, I do think like part of that is there were two sets of back to backs in there, and that's always going to impact you. One of those games without Joel Embiid, I think a lot of this is being colored by the first half against the Cavs. Like if they execute in that first half. Come away with a win. I think we probably feel a little differently. That does show some of the danger of trying to analyze at a 15 game mark when you're not even a quarter of the way through the th- season. One or two games can have a big uh, influence on how we feel. That being said, it's a pretty sustained trend. Uh, they're just not as connected as they were before. The, the effort isn't as consistent. Uh, it has been, you know, like I said, and even, you know, acknowledging the fact that it's not like teams are shooting lights out from three. There's, mm-hmm. there's, it could be worse when a team gets hot or when you have some bad luck in terms of three-point defense. They need to clean that up for sure. For sure. I think a, a somewhere in a C range is 100% fair given the personnel you have to work with and how much you're relying on that defense to prop up what might just be an average or above-average offense, which if it's only going to be an above-average offense, you're 
defense needs to be more than capable. It needs to be very good as well. Um, Doc Rivers spent all last year talking about they basically want to be top 10 in both. I generally agree with that mindset, especially when, like I said, I don't expect them to be a top two or three offense in the league. Yeah, and you basically have to be top 10 on both sides of the ball to have any chance of competing for a title historically. There are a few outliers or maybe a couple outliers, and they're all teams that LeBron played for that coasted on defense in the regular season. And then now, granted, they weren't a whole lot better on defense in the playoffs, but he had some historically great offensive teams in Cleveland, and they're able to overcome that. Not expecting the Sixers to do that. So there needs to be two-way buy-in, and you know we'll see where they land. So that's probably a good segue, Derek, for – I think Nurse is probably the first place we should go grading-wise because yeah, he's the zoomed-out, big-picture guy overseeing all this. So I guess where do you fall on what he has brought to the table and how he's managed this start to the season? He's probably the one where the the, the last – seven games might impact the most because I feel like after the first eight games it was A plus plus, from everyone not only were they playing a more entertaining brand of basketball they were overachieving he wasn't Doc Rivers like everybody was all on board for Nick Nurse the last couple of games I think have been frustrating a lot of people and you're starting to see I've seen a lot of complaints about the number of minutes that some of the Sixers players are playing certainly there's some been some complaints about the rotations the um you know, ball, the, there just doesn't seem to be as much movement as there was, which was a staple early on. I'd probably still, I, I'd still say he's exceeding expectations a little bit. It's just, it went from an A to maybe a B minus. And you could even talk me down from there a little a bit. A B minus. Yeah. Wow. Oh, that's spicy. It oh. might, it might just be the fact that he's playing Marcus Morris and I really don't enjoy watching that. <laughs> I think the, for me, the floor is a B, maybe B plus. I think just because I've been so encouraged by the offense and how he's empowered Tyrese See, but Maxey. I've been, I've been equally discouraged by the defense. That's probably fair, but I I kind of look at it as what did we expect of them coming into the season? How has that changed? And what has he actually impacted so far? I think they're definitely playing differently, right? Like that's... Oh, sure. That's noticeable. I, like I said, the first eight games, it was a stark difference. It was, oh my God, this is completely different than anything they ever tried. Yeah. And I understand why you'd come down in recent games, recent weeks, I guess we should say, because you go from the hot start and beating the Celtics and you're just like the cream of the crop in the league for a, a moment there. And then you lose a couple in a row and you lose another back to back and I get it. The the bloom's coming off the rose. But there, a there's bit. some little things that are annoying me too. Like I mentioned it in the other show uh, after the game, where it's like, you know, Paul Reed just doesn't seem as locked in. Like, what's he doing, picking and popping? There's no reason to be doing that. Yeah. Um. There are little things like that. Uh. That. Look, you're probably right. It probably should be a B, B plus, probably in that range. This is probably one where I'm letting the last couple of games influence me more than maybe it should. Um. But where he, he was pushing on. All right. It's fair. It's fair. Uh, So here's what I would say. A lot of my problems that I've had with Nurse have been things that are in some ways out of his control, right? So do I, I cannot stand the lineups that Joel is playing with when Maxi hits the bench. But I also don't know if I have a perfect solution to that. Correct. He doesn't have a real guard option to run the show without Maxi. Like, all due respect to DeAnthony and Pat Bev and what they bring to the table. 
those guys are not creators and they can't be asked to create regularly. So that's been the biggest sore spot for me for the whole team are those, you know, four or five minute stretches that Joel plays without Tyrese. And that's going to be a personnel based solution. Like you have to bring somebody else in, move some things around in order to solve that problem. The bigger picture stuff, the, the movement, Joel's passing, Tyrese taking a step forward. Now, a lot of that credit goes to Tyrese, yeah. but Nick certainly empowering him in many ways. Those lineups without Joel, with Tyrese leading, are still beating up other teams. Now, it's, again, come down recently. But to get to that point and to construct lineups that can do that without Joel, huge, huge deal for this team. So overall, I think he's been very good. It's just been, you know, a bit of a disappointing last week or two. Yeah, and look, when I like, I I look at a C as meeting expectation. So for me, a B minus is exceeding it. Maybe just not as much as I would have said earlier. You can talk me up to a B because I do, and maybe even a B plus. I can, I'm flexible on this one because I do agree with a lot of my annoyances. Probably come down to roster more so than the coach. Uh, and part of my response is probably just that I was so high after the first eight games that when. Uh, you know, he makes decisions that I disagree with or when frustrations inevitably kick in, you overreact to that a little bit. If you, I, and I, I just yelled at people for not, or for having some recency bias a little while ago. So maybe I'm falling victim to that as well. <laughs> Certainly possible. Um, and also he just plays Marcus Morris more than I want him to. Well, if you want to set recency <laughs> bias aside, Derek, and go check out some great Sixers basketball, I know the place you should go. And that's the game time app. Cause with the Game Time app, they know that buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful. It's the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. And the Game Time app experience is great because they have flash deals, last-minute tickets. It's easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. Bunch of big Eagles games coming up too. So as much as we talk about the Sixers, promote Sixers opportunities, the Eagles are as good as it gets in the NFL right now. So the best place that you can get Eagles tickets on top of Sixers tickets is the Game Time app. Is it's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for good reason. You get pictures of your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, you're set to go. And those tickets get sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your email. I know you're getting lots of emails this time of year. Certainly on Black Friday, Cyber Monday, leading into Christmas, everyone's trying to flow your email with as many promotions as possible. Game time, you don't even have to go there in the first place. So you can snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed and we should also take a moment to point out since it is black friday we have a black friday sale going on at phly locker derek and i are both wearing a pair of comfortable phly locker hoodies at the moment so it's 25 percent off in the store you spend 75 dollars, get a 15 dollar gift card and it's also worth pointing out that we just got a new yep. merch drop. It's predominantly Eagle stuff there, but there is a Sixer shirt not featured in this beautiful graphic that was added to PHLY Locker. So now's the best time since we launched the company to go get yourself some extra gear and you know maybe put that in the stocking of someone you love at Christmas. 
we have a, a sickos t-shirt you gotta get a sickos t-shirt i feel like that it might be our our brand here it certainly describes <laughs> a lot of the birds listeners um yeah no some good new releases i do wear this hoodie probably too much it's a great quality hoodie go check it out this is my default friday hoodie at this yeah. point the tie-dye i feel really uh sets the vibe for a friday it's a, it, afternoon it's normally an evening but whatever I will say, I think that there's, I'm surprised there has been more experimentation from Nick. And again, even from stuff that I think you and I probably look at and say, I don't think that's going to work. I just expected him to try it a little bit more. Well, he experimented with the starting lineup on Wednesday. It was just an experiment that, that we thought was stupid from yeah. Jump Street. Yeah. No, but like it's, and I think part of that probably comes down to maybe Paul Reed didn't make the steps some people were hoping for. And that ex- experimentation was probably going to come from there. Uh, but I would have liked to have seen maybe just a little more in terms of lineup experimentation. It seems like he has sort of found his groupings. Uh, he stuck with them maybe a little more than I expected. But we'll see. It's still early. And the lineup is fluctuating every day. Uh, this, All of these grades are very much incomplete at this stage. And probably none more so than Nick. Okay. So now is a great time. Transition to the players. How would you grade Joel Embiid's start to the season, Derek? Because he, he's... <sighs> Tyrese, I think, is going to be easy. I think Joel is fairly difficult where we where we sit today. Yeah. It's open to some interpretation for sure. Um, I do attribute part of the lower-than-expected defensive rating to the fact that his effort, especially over the last week, has been up and down. Yeah. I think part of that, he's just... I, I, we disagree with this a little bit in terms of load management. He's just played a lot of games, a lot of minutes. Him sort of hitting a wall isn't necessarily... Surprising, but it has been up and down. I'm a big fan of the passing and the fact that he took all of that talk over the Six summer. Six assists, 6.1 yep. assists a game. He took all that talk over the summer, which we were maybe a little skeptical of, and I think for the most part has put that into practice. So I appreciate that for sure. And he's, you know, he's just putting up MVP type numbers, but you sort of expect that. I would still lean towards a B or a B plus. Because I think that adopting of that passing is something I'm very happy about and something that I was skeptical of coming in. So the fact that he has proven that gets a good grade for me. Like I said, I, I rarely give out A's. So I think his defense would have had to be consistently excellent and he would have to be anchoring a top five to seven defense for me to give out an overall A. So I'll give him a B plus because I do think the passing is uh, important. Yeah, he's played, what, 14 games? And I think there are three that I would sit here and say, yeah, I just didn't like those. Yeah. It was the opener in Milwaukee, which it's the opening game, and there's and he didn't play the entire preseason. We were kind of expecting some bumps and bruises along the way. The one that he was not happy that I didn't like, the Indiana game where he scored yep. 39, but I thought that he melted down a bit in the fourth quarter and down the stretch. Now, granted, it's one of those mini-series matchups that you and I have talked about, Derek, how difficult it is to win both of those, but... Thought he was a huge reason that they didn't win that one. Mm-hmm. And then the follow-up Boston game. I just didn't. Yep. I didn't it's it's not that he played outright bad. I just didn't think he was as engaged as he needed to be for 48 minutes. And I hated the plan of attack. That's actually one way that I would ding Nurse was their approach to the second Boston game offensively and just letting Al Horford sit there and, you know, play post defense against Joel, which is the one thing that he's Right. Very good at defending Joel. So that's something that's not just Joel. That's coaching staff, strategy, game planning as well. But overall, I've really liked a lot of what I've seen from Joel. I mean, yeah. 
still leading the league in scoring, despite the fact that he's uptick, big uptick on his playmaking and is bought into this ball moving, spread the floor, all that offense. He's hitting those cutters in a way that he never did that routinely Mm -hmm. in seasons past. I think that's a good thing. I think defensively when he's been on, there have been flashes where he's been better than he's been in years. Like this is, we've seen regular season Joel for a while now where it's, he'll get up for fourth quarters and things. There were some games early in this season where I thought he played three and a half, maybe four quarters of elite or at least high level defense. If that continues, awesome. But I'm not so sure I'm convinced that's going to happen. And so if they do continue to slide defensively or, you know, kind of hover in this 11th, 12th type range, then he's going to be one of the guys that I personally hold accountable for them not being good enough on that end. Yeah. And look, that's one thing where in the playoffs, like his, for all we talk about with his uh, shooting in the playoffs, hitting a wall defensively, his effort is pretty consistently good in the playoffs. Yes. Like that's, he might take some games or possessions off here in the regular season in part because of the workload in part because he's just never been in that tip top shape, but come playoff time, I have no doubt he's going to give effort on that side. It's, can he find a way to, you know, maintain his effectiveness, uh, on the other end of the court? Yeah, no, I think he's been, he's been good. He's been real good. He's been borderline MVP level, which again, only gets Which is crazy because 32, 11, and 6. And be like, oh, he's Well, there's a lot of really MVP. good players. There's yeah, a lot of, true. like, the top end of the NBA is real tough. Um, but he's playing at an MVP level, which is meeting expectations. Um, that's just sort of what we expect from Joel at this point. Uh, but the fact that he is passing and embracing that role to me is the biggest sign uh, and why I would give him a, you know, like I said, meeting expectations for me is like a C. So getting a B, he's, you know, he's, or a B plus, he's, uh, the passing is significant for sure. Yeah, and I think it's the most meaningful thing in terms of how this could be different in the playoffs relative to years past, right? Like his defense is probably going to be around the same. Offensively is where he needs the big jump in one way or another. Either he's got to be healthy and he's just more efficient than he's been able to be in past playoff runs, or he has to show the understanding that this holistic team-first approach to offense is what's going to win them a title. And since he's bought into that to open the year, I'm now more bullish on him leading them in the playoffs. But that's obviously, you know, way far away at this point. And it's a good point being brought up by Baba Gide in the chat. Um, and if I mispronounce that name, I apologize. But you gave it a go. So I, I give you. Yeah. I, I didn't even attempt it earlier. Um, he usually starts the season off pretty slow and takes some time to ramp back up into shape. He had one struggle against the Bucks to start the season. And then he had seven like really dominant games in a yes. row. So it's weird where the start, if we did this after like 10 games, he probably gets an A from both of us just because he was that dominant. The struggles have come a little bit in the middle of the season. That's different. Uh, and I do give him credit. Like it looked like he was for the most part outside of that Bucks game ready to go, which is sometimes not the case. Yeah. All right. I'm going to see how badly recency bias gets you on this one. Tyrese Maxey. What's the grade? I mean, I'm still giving him an, I'll, go, I'll bump him down to an A minus from an A. Okay. And it probably would have been an A plus after the first seven or eight games, just because he looks so much better as a passer, as a scorer. Like I said, the two man game with Embiid is better, both as a, in terms of the pocket pass and also as a scorer off the dribble handoffs. All of that was so improved to start the year. The last couple of games, I think he has struggled to find his way as a scorer. What he ended up with like 30, 30 points on like 28 shots or something like that. And then the previous or the last game there against the Wolves was a real struggle. 
that being said, there's so much like the passing I think has been, and we, we talked about this a lot coming in. That's the biggest takeaway. The biggest thing we're focused on throughout this course of the season. I think he has made, and even over the last two games, I think he's shown enough that I think there's real legitimate progress there. And it might not be where exactly where they need him to be, to be a number two on a championship team. That's what we still have to find out over the next couple of months, but he is still only 23. It's a tough spot to, because a lot of like, like at this point, learning how to navigate, let's say the Minnesota defense and the size and physicality of that, that is as much a knowledge and an experience thing as it is a skill set thing. Uh, just finding out what will work against different kind of defenses and defenders. It will take some time. It's a tough ask to be like, Hey, this is your first season as a primary option and also lead the team to a title. Mm-hmm. That's just not the way that a lot of this tends to work. That being said, I think the progress he has made is significant, both uh, short-term and long-term for the team. And even though, like I said, I think a lot of the struggles over the last couple of games are situational. Tough teams to match up against for sure, but I really thought against the Wolves was the first time maybe in his career I've ever seen him look tired, so I don't want to take too much away from that. Yes, And I think the way he has gone between you know, being a setup man and a floor general and uh, you know, just not making mistakes with Embiid on the floor and really being three-point heavy to really leading a team when Joel's off and ramping up his usage rate and still maintaining his effectiveness up until that last game was really, really impressive. And as I'm saying that, I'm talking myself back up into a solid A. Yeah, and look, I think in spite of the issues of the last few games or so, his numbers have settled at, you got to account for he was blinding hot to start the year. Yep. But right now he's taking like eight threes a game, making almost 41% of them, scoring 26 points a game, seven assists a game with one and a half turnovers a night. Like he's blowing away most people's expectations for how good he could be to start this season. And if his numbers just stayed right around what they are right now, that's an overwhelmingly successful yes. year for him yep. and the team. And to your point, Derek, I do think that 38 and a half minutes a game, which is essentially what he's playing right now, that's a lot. That's, and I, I would say that's too much, even for yes. young legs like Maxi. And mm-hmm. that goes into part of my, 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 my I don't want to say annoyance with Nurse, but that goes in part into my grade too. Yes. Uh, I, and part of that is the fact that they just have very few people that can dribble the basketball and Patrick Beverly has looked real bad on the offensive side of the floor. So Nick's in a tough spot for that, but I do think he's playing too many minutes. Yeah. And when you condense as many games as they have into the first or the last few weeks, I should say, there are all these in-season tournament games and back-to-backs and a lot of pressure is being put on this kid to produce and produce in ways that are a lot different than before. He's never had to be at the NBA level this consistent of a lead perimeter guy. And so for him to be able to juggle these responsibilities, I've said it on the podcast several times at this point, for him to have these scoreless first quarters or close to scoreless first quarters. Three point whatever points in the first quarter. That's what I mean. And so to eventually end up with 26 points a night and he's – still creating for others and he's finding things within the flow of the offense, but also having stretches where it's like it's Tyrese time and I'm going to go after people. I think he's done an excellent job of balancing all the responsibilities of a point guard. Could he be better in some of these tougher matchups? Yes. But these are also proving grounds for him where he's going to get a ton of resources thrown at him it's going to make him better because these bad games will get put on tape and he will say, okay, I could have made this read. I need to do this differently. This is how a team with 
big wings that they're throwing at me or two bigs sitting back at the rim. It's how they're going to set up. And then he can go in with Nick, with Joel, with other members of the coaching staff, and they can figure out game plans and different approaches to work around this. Nothing that I've seen with his struggles are like, oh, just just throw him out. He can't be the guy. It's He's a young kid who's going through this for the really the first time ever on a full-time basis. And it's going to take a while for him to figure it out. And that's okay. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's like Kyle and I, like every now and then we might make a mistake. We've never been asked to be a daily on video <laughs> podcaster before. Like that doesn't mean we can't do it. Just make, take us a couple of years. You know, we'll see. Anyway. Just give us a lot of runway yeah. and we'll figure yeah. it out. Yeah. Um, no, look, and like I said, my grades are more based on expectations and whether you're exceeding them or not. I don't think it's all that interesting to be like, well, let's just give a grade based on their overall production. And let's talk about who are the best players. Cause I think everybody sort of knows who the best players are. So for Maxi, the passing and the playmaking has definitely been higher than I, and I, I picked him to average more than six assists coming in the season, just because I thought he was going to get, have the ball so much and have so much tension thrown his way that there were going to be avenues for him. But I think he started to learn how to manipulate that pick and roll a little more, a little better and a little more consistently than I was expecting. That pocket pass to Embiid is something it was clear that they have spent some time with Drew Hanlon working on together over the summer and the results are there because of that. And he is just further along. Does that mean he is making every right decision? No. Although I will say the fact that he can ramp up to seven assists and still turn the ball over fewer than two times per game is pretty incredible. When pretty you damn add good. in the fact that not only is he dishing out seven times per, but he's asked to score 26 per night to not make mistakes like that, either with your dribble or with your passing is impressive. But you know, he's going to have times where you go, he needs to be more aggressive. I do think it's sort of interesting that there's been so much he's not aggressive enough talk after one game when the previous game he shot 29 times or whatever it was. Like, he, I think he's been pretty aggressive for the most part. I think there are certainly games and situations where you'd want him to be more so. But I do go back to, I think it's just probably a tough spot to ask him for the first time in his career to be this and also to compete for a championship. They definitely need more help. Whether that is a secondary ball handler, another primary ball handler, That'll depend largely on both who's available and what happens over the next couple of months. But I think he's done better than expected. Not perfect. Not to the point where you put every you know concern at ease, at least short-term concern at ease, but better. You know who definitely doesn't make mistakes when they're in charge of things, Derek? Who's that? Our good friends at FOCO. FOCO is a leading manufacturer of sports and entertainment merchandise with a product line that includes apparel, accessories, toys, collectibles, novelty items, and more. It's the best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms. With it being football and tailgating season, it means that overalls, hoodies, hats, sunglasses, and bags, everything you need for a game, FOCO has. And FOCO has hooked PHLY up and provided awesome pieces for our sets. FOCO always has our back for Philly sports, and they have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in our description. For all non-presale items, use the promo code PHLY for 10% off. You know, I will say, a little bit of a tangent. I still get asked sometimes, like, how do you pronounce the company name? Like, is it Philly? Is it Fly? I'm like, we say it every show. We say P-H-L-Y every, every show. Single Pay thing. attention a little bit. I got asked by my family member over Thanksgiving. I, what is also, it, Fly? Also, by the way, no, I believe the Fly. new Listen. promo code for FOCO is P-H-L-Y 10. Did I not say that? You're so, you said P-H-L-Y. I want to make actually sure. Have it, I have it written here as P-H-L-Y 10, too. I just, of course, I, I have it. Promo code PHLY10 for 10% off. I just want to listen. It's a new promo code. You've been doing the FOCO ad read for two and a half months. When they throw a different promo code at you, that's that's tough. So, Look, um, but what's not no, tough nobody's is... Nobody's blaming you. Yeah. 
Wow, I got a better grade from Puppas for the pod, by oh, the way. Puppa said You can't you can't trust the Brit. A minus for me. There were a couple of times where I turned up without a hoodie. B plus for Derek. He's getting better ad reads and the emotional advice is a plus. <laughs> Yeah, we appreciate look, you, Papa's tuning look, in from overseas. So I, I think what he's referring to is yesterday we were talking about, or not yesterday, last last show because uh, we didn't do any shows yesterday. We were talking about the ups and downs of a season and not you know getting swept up in that roller coaster. Look, all I'm saying is I have had to watch every game for a decade straight, and I haven't completely lost my mind. So here are some of my tips I've used to yeah. to uh, to a minus for Papa's. This. You don't make every stream because you live in a different time zone. Look, he makes, <laughs> if we're going on expectations, the amount of shows that he makes despite living. I've Listen, I'm just, I'm busting a the shots. A plus for sure. A Appreciate plus for sure. Every, every commenter to me gets an A plus. And I'm not just saying that because you're here right now. I promise. Any other players you want to highlight here before we get out? I think Tobias probably deserves yeah. to be highlighted. I don't know if I go so far as to give him an A, but if you were just grading it based on expectations, I think you could give him an A. Yeah. No, and I think this is where the distinction is key because based on play, he's not an A player. Based on expectations, I would probably give him an A minus. My only real complaint, and there's little ones, my only real complaint, fire away, man. Like three and a half or 3.33s is just not enough for an off-ball role player. And he's not really a role player, but he sort of plays that when he's in a starting lineup. Fire away, man. You, I, you need gravity next to Maxi and Embiid. Not that he doesn't give it to you, but he could give more just by shooting more frequently. And I, if that kills, honestly, right now he's at 36%. Historically, he's upper 30s. Yeah. I would rather have him shoot seven per game at 35% than four per game at 38%. Just because I think that gives you more gravity as a shooter. I think teams worry about that more. It's always been my number one complaint. I wasn't expecting him to come in this year and redefine himself in that regard. But I also wasn't expecting him to take a step back either. And after shooting, you know, he came here his first year in Philly. He shot five per game. Second year, he shot, well, it did go down, 3.4 per game, then 4.4 last year, now back down to 3.3 per game. It's been up and down. I've always just wanted to get in that, like, six or so range. And I really thought with Nick, he would empower the shooters maybe a little bit more because I feel like Doc was not quite as analytically focused as some coaches, certainly as Nick. That's one way of putting it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but... Tobias looks so comfortable in almost every other aspect. And if, you know, if the, the, the lack of three point shots, you lose that, but you gain maybe attacking the rim a little more, which I think he's done at times. Don't like getting the free throw line at all, but I think he's attacking the rim and earlier offense and transition more. I like that. I would just like a few fewer record scratch threes. I think the transition stuff has been my favorite thing from him this year where he has made it, a real point of emphasis and granted this is like a Nick led thing as well. He wants them running, wants them playing with pace, but Tobias has really bought into that idea of get up the floor as quickly as possible. And it's when he has the best opportunity to leverage his actual physical advantages, right? Where there are a lot of times you're going to get cross matched when you're in transition. Yep. And so Tobias, if he's got a smaller guy, he will be stronger than that guy. If he's got a bigger player, in many cases, he'll be faster than that guy. And the best time for him to try to find those type of matchups is before a defense gets set, they can rotate around. Like, yes, Tobias has been more efficient than I've expected on the mid-range pull-ups and the mid-post type offense, but the best work that he's doing 
is setting that tempo, bullying some guys on his way to the basket, and turning turnovers, rebounds, what have you, into quick baskets. They're momentum builders. You know, it gets the it's like, all right, we got got this stop. It's already a basket. Let's get back at another stop. And it the snowball can get rolling down that hill really quickly. And Tobias has been an essential part of that. I agree with you, Derek. I want more threes. I always want more threes from him because he honestly can never shoot enough. To your point, I would if he took 10 a game and made him at even close to league average, that'd be a, a giant victory. Just because teams would have to respect him more from out there. Now they can soft close out at him and not have to worry too hard about a three-point shot going over their heads. So always want more of that from him, but I think overall pleasantly surprised is an understatement for yeah. his start to the season. And look, I, I mentioned a little earlier that he still doesn't get the free throw line nearly enough. He doesn't, but it is the most he's gotten the free throw line in really just about a decade. Uh, he gets there um, 0.3 free throw attempts per field goal attempt. It's not great for a high volume player. Uh, you would typically want that at least in the 35 to 40, uh, 0.35 to 0.4, but it is the third best of his career and the best since 2014 when he was with Orlando. So it's better than it has been. Like the last couple of years, it's been in God, the he's under... He's played for so many teams, by the way. I always forget for he was with the match. played for a lot, yep, yep. Um, but it was in like the 0.15, 0.17 the first couple of years in Philly. So it is higher. I think part of that is, like we said, the fact that he's attacking a little earlier in shot clock, a little earlier in transition, taking advantage of some of those mismatches. I like to see that just more threes. That's really probably... I Look, I'd always love for him to be better on the glass. I'd love for him to be a little more assertive on that uh when we start talking about joe having to come up to contest drives a little more aggressively you need players like tobias to buy in a little bit more i'm not expecting him to change who he is at this point uh and that includes the three-point shooting as well but i would like for him to take like he's taking less than he was before that wasn't the direction i wanted it to go yeah that's my only real complaint that i think has a chance of being fixed and i would say this this is obviously context dependent contract dependent at this point, I think you have to at least consider whether it's worth bringing him back next season, depending on it's obvious. It's the other moves would have to come first, right? Like I'm not bringing Tobias back to be your third best, player. third best player yeah. again, that I do not believe that that can happen if they're a team that's going to be serious about contending. But if he could be your fourth best guy, I mean, even better fifth best guy, then I think you're really on to something. I just, I, I tend to think that's probably not going to happen, but yep. it's at least worth thinking about seeing as I feel like every year, this time of year, I know it tails off as the year goes on. We do see him embrace different things and philosophies from whatever the coach is passing down. And if they change the roster again, he has shown that he's willing to take a back seat and you know, do what the team wants other unless it's shooting threes. Yep. Brian in the chat trying to get me on a rant here to end the show, talking about Isaiah Joe. I'm not going to fall for it. I did it on Twitter. I think everybody knows my stance. Malpractice. I do still Isaiah have a Joe. screenshot of the tweet Derek had somewhere that Isaiah I Joe was going to be a starter. So. I tweeted it out yesterday. I'm fine. I'm fine. We do have Ash in the chat with a super chat. If the Sixers make the right trades to be true title contenders, how many current guys are you comfortable with in a playoff rotation? Ash mentions seven. Honestly, there's a decent chunk i think one thing that we saw in this last game without Embiid is that when you remove one key piece of the equation all of the role players all of a sudden don't look nearly as good because they're playing yes. different roles that being said i think there's a lot of players who given the right pieces around them can play in a playoff rotation i don't think that's our problem at all no i mean so look we'll go down the list 
Joel, easy one. Tyrese, easy one. Tobias, easy one. DeAnthony, easy one, although up and down shooting. So you know, people will it's feel... still, like his role might be reduced, but he's certainly yes. playoff playable, yeah. Batum, feel comfortable with him. Mm-hmm. Paul Reed, feel comfortable with him. Cove, I'm less comfortable with because of his, you know, closeout issues and certainly isolation defense, but still, like, guy who can play in a 10 playoff. 10 minutes per yes. game, yeah. Kelly Oubre has played his way in there. That's eight. He's got to keep up the play that he's shown early, obviously, but I think... The decision-making has to be a full-season thing, not a couple-of-week thing for me to buy in for the playoffs. But yes, he's trending in that direction, and based on what he's shown with the Sixers, I would say yes. So that's a solid eight for me. After that, it's, you know, bigger question marks. I think D-House could. It's not someone that... You might play him for five minutes, look at him and say, yeah, he can't play the rest of the night. Jaden is a guy I think Derek and I both believe can get there, but right now it's a little up and down. And, you know, quite frankly, Nick doesn't have quite the trust in him nope. yet. Has shown that with how he's given him and his I, minutes. I, I honestly, I think Nick should give him more of a chance. That's yeah. a criticism I have of Nick for sure. Yeah. So that would get you, I mean, to maybe nine. And then after that, it's, but if you have nine guys, that you might be able to feel comfortable with in a playoff rotation. The Nuggets just won a title with like six guys you can trust. Their Boston bench does not have nine guys right now. Denver's rotation last year was a disaster for the most part behind their starters. And the starters were so good that it didn't matter. So if Joel and Tyrese are good enough, that's really most of what matters. Everyone else is going to settle into their different roles around them. But yeah, I would put it at about eight and then i think there's room for maybe one yeah, you're not you're not looking more. you're not desperate to upgrade depth right now you need to upgrade the you know fourth and fifth spots in your starting rotation you need to upgrade the melton and batum spots with somebody that can create yeah. a little more give you another option in terms of generating offense that's the upgrade you're looking for it's not really depth yeah which is weird to say because i feel like it's always been depth now that being said like a backup who can you know, throw the ball towards the ground, come back up, throw it back down again. Like that would be great. Too. You mean dribbling is yes. important in a basketball yeah. game? No way. Yeah. All right. Well, that's probably a good spot to leave it for today. And you yeah. and I can go look at go to 49 inch ultra wide monitors <laughs> yes. and see if there's anything that we like and want to come away with. Uh, as always, I want to say thank you to all our wonderful viewers slash listeners in the chat, Brian, Ash, Papa's the A minus chatter himself. Sorry, there's a lot from individual people here. RJ's earlier. Derek, how did you pronounce? I don't want to butcher some. Babajide. I hope that's how we pronounce it. Alex Austin Krell was here talking about SpongeBob. That's a story for another day. Bo Jensen and Gavin, who said he bought some PHLY merch today. And he says we have to sign it at some point. Sure, Gavin, I like I've said before, you present me with something and a Sharpie or whatever else to sign it with. I promise I will. On your way out, guys, if you could hit that subscribe button and or the bell icon so you get notifications every time we go live. And hit the thumbs up button on the video. It would help us out a great deal. We will be back after the Oklahoma City game tomorrow night, although it's early evening. It's a 5 p.m. Yeah. game, so maybe... 7.30 or so, Saturday night. We will catch you guys on the flip side. 